0: From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest LPL Market Signals podcast. Jeff Bookbinder here, your host for this week with my friend and colleague, Quincy Crosby. It's good to be with you. It's a it's a joyous day to do a podcast, Quincy, because the S&P 500 is at new record highs. We have waited two years for it, uh, and it's finally here. How are you today? Thanks for joining. Good.
1: How can you be disappointed on a day like this?
0: Oh, it sure is. It sure is. So we're uh, recording on Monday, January 22nd, uh, 2024. Uh, It's uh, a little after lunch on Monday, uh, so we'll be hopefully releasing this the end of the day, Monday, if not first thing Tuesday morning. Uh, Here's our agenda. Technology leadership continues. Uh, I didn't want to put S&P new high for two agenda items. So we'll change it up and I'll point out how strong tech was last week. Then, of course, the new high. We'll celebrate those new highs. Uh, we'll we'll uh, walk through the weekly market commentary for this week, which is about the potential impact of the uh, Red Sea shipping disruptions from the Houthi rebel attacks, uh, you know the impact on inflation and on the potential Fed rate cut timetable. Uh, next quick update on earnings season, which has been messy, and then we'll end with a preview of the week ahead, as we always do. So, um, so Quincy, I know you've written a little bit about why tech was so strong last week. You know, that was really the, um, you know, that was the highlight, up a little over 1% uh, last week. But if you look at the five-day returns for tech, up almost 5%. Uh, I think we'll agree on what the reason was for that. What was the biggest driver of tech last week?
1: Well, I, w- I think it has to be Taiwan Semiconductor. And it's You know, it's funny yeah. because we were talking about the relationship with uh, Taiwan Semiconductor uh, and the, the, um, the tech sector in Taiwan vis-a-vis the election there. But this is separate. Uh, it is their earnings, their earnings call. And in, in that earnings call, within the earnings call, they, the catalyst, because it was almost futures market just popped, uh, that they're seeing more and more orders. And the orders are associated, obviously, with uh, uh, generative uh, AI. And that really set the stage because Taiwan's Semiconductor is not known for, how do I say this, guidance that is just over the top. They're, they're cautious, they're conservative. And I think it was taken obviously very well by the market.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, they guided a 10% semiconductor demand growth this year. Yes. That's really, that's a yes. big number. Uh, mm-hmm. So no doubt yeah. chips have come out of their, you know, the weak cycle, uh, I guess you could say. And um, mm-hmm. yeah. and things are certainly looking up. So yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. That was the big driver last week. We also had pretty good economic data, you know, really good confidence data from University of Michigan on Friday. You also had the strong retail sales earlier in the week. The housing data was a little better than expected. You know, it wasn't all better, but for the most permits. part, the data was better than expected. Yeah. What's that?
1: Uh, in in terms of housing, you had one that was was slightly weak, but the but new permits were were strong, and that's what the yeah. market was focused on. Yeah.
0: Yes, forward looking. Uh, no doubt. So yes, the market absolutely um, liked that as well. So we got a lot of good data continuing to support the soft landing thesis. Uh, which um, I mean, people define it differently, but it certainly looks good from where we sit today. Uh, it wasn't just tech, you know. It was the it was the um, mega cap techs in comm services? So I'm referring to, of course, um, Alphabet and Meta. Uh, so com services was up about two and a half percent last week, and then you had uh uh consumer discretionary week even though they have big tech in there Tesla was actually down 3% last yeah, week yeah, big drag big drag on consumer discretionary actually Tesla shares are down 15% year to date uh through Friday um so that has led some to refer to the mag 7 as the mag 6 i would <laughs> go for maybe the super 6 maybe we can try to copyright that Quincy, uh you know I like the uh, alliteration so uh we'll call it super six really strong last week uh on uh, artificial intelligence enthusiasm and um you know really generally strong earnings growth expected out of the uh semiconductor space so uh beyond that you know that that kind of ties to a lot of this on this performance summary for uh, the equity markets because it's driven strong growth performance over value. We continue to prefer growth over value at LPL Research. Uh, it's led to strong performance for the U.S. relative to the rest of the world, right? So you see here, uh, you know, the international index is pretty much down across the board. Um, the only one that's in positive territory last week was Japan. Japan and yen—that market is up seven and a half percent year to date. Really, really strong uh, market. India's done okay too, but the majority of the international markets. Uh, have uh, underperformed. So um, turning to fixed income and commodities, you know, bond yields moved a little higher last week because of the strong economic data, but the market, and by the way, uh, the market priced out uh, maybe a Fed rate hike. So we're looking at close to the five rather than six priced in. Uh, So it's, you know, higher yields is consistent with that unwinding of rate cut expectations. And so you ended up with a down week for bonds, um, down about one point. Uh, The weakness in China continues to weigh on commodities broadly. Well, and frankly, the strong U.S. oil production, which Quincy, uh, you and I have talked a lot about. So, um, uh, you know, and natural gas was down sharply last week. I guess the the bounce from the cold spell is over. So you have about 2% um, weekly drop in energy, you have a percentage drop in industrial metals very uh, China sensitive um although the precious metals did inch a little bit higher you know Quincy the uh the dollar's been very strong this year you know up about two percent year-to-date which is a big move for a currency in what you know 20 days uh basically so um I think that's been part of why we've had this drag on international uh markets w- where do you think the dollar goes from here
1: well, I mean, we're going to have a, a sense of it as we go through the um, economic data, this, especially this week with the uh, inflation data on Friday. or Was it Thursday or Friday? It's going to be important again, based on the Fed and also the ECB. So the ECB uh, we're getting having some commentary there when they think they're going to have rate hikes, and this is about the interest rate differential. That's ex- we're going back to the interest rate differential now, where it's which, which who's going to cut rates first because that would mean your currency is going to come down and with the fed out there all week long and it didn't matter which part of the fomc they came from the hawkish the dovish the message was the same uh we're not we don't think we're ready for a, a rate cut you know based on the market's uh perception market's timetable So that's another reason that the dollar strengthened and against the euro, for example, uh, as opposed to um, when the Europeans think they're going to get a rate cut. It's interesting because Christine Lagarde was very careful and she basically said, look, I I, I hear what all of the folks from the various countries within uh, the eurozone are saying. But at the end of the day, she said, we've got to be data dependent. And we're going to be careful, and we don't expect it to be soon. So again, the dollar rising on the back of stronger economic data, on the back of a Fed that has been in unison. We are probably going to wait, and I think probably the most dovish, dovish for the from the Fed came from Bostic, head of the Atlanta Fed, who was very dovish in t- up until recently, and he said, "I don't see a rate hike coming until." The third quarter which from him is extremely uh powerful and i think that also helped push the dollar higher
0: yeah that bostic and others are still trumpeting this kind of higher for longer narrative uh, i guess so we're we're not um yeah yeah we, we are certainly not expecting uh, a cut in march probably more may june time frame and um yeah. yeah I mean we're the market's already moving a little bit in our direction I know we're not the only ones out there saying three or four cuts rather than five or six or seven but uh clearly the market's moving closer we, we think four um but if it's not four it's probably more likely to be three than five uh for uh four cuts so good stuff there Quincy let's um let's move on and let's celebrate um these new highs some more this is just so exciting we don't get this very often. In fact, I guess it's been you have
1: champagne there. Champagne in Boston.
0: I, I don't have any champagne here. Um, I got my uh, my Kansas City Chiefs Tumblr. So, oh, that uh, was a, oh, I what a ce- game. I can celebrate their victory as well as these new highs. Um, no, no alcohol during the day, during the workday. Um, but, um, you know, I think it's important to point out that we haven't had a new high in two years, actually more than two years. So this is a long time coming. You'll see here in a minute that that's pretty long compared to history. Uh, This is just the basic S&P chart where you see uh, the the breakout. You know, there's the expression from technicians. I think it goes the longer the base, the higher in space or something like that. (laughs) I'm sure many of you have heard that uh, before. We had a really long, you know, two-year base building process, I guess you could say, and we're breaking out after that long delay. Uh, That suggests above average returns. Going forward. I'm not even going to put a damper on the all high all-time high story by talking about where downside support is. You know, let's just focus on the highs and 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 where we might go. So our, our year on target at the high end is 49.50. Um, it's possible that this breakout takes us close to that or even above that, uh, because historically you tend to get these little bounces. It's probably the machines taking over, but you can tend to get these these little bounces after you hit all-time highs. Uh, you also tend to get uh, pretty good performance one year out. So here, here is this latest um, you know, high compared to all the other highs back to um, uh, 1956. And you see here, the length of the recovery this time was kind of slow compared to non-recessionary recoveries. Uh, the average non-recessionary recovery uh, for a bear market to get back to uh, its highs is 10 months. This one was 14. So it was kind of in between the non-recession and the average, which of course includes the recessionary bear markets, where the recoveries have taken uh, longer. And then if you look at time between highs, uh, this time we were 24 months plus. The average for all bear markets has been, at least during this time frame, has been 30 months. So not too far off. But non-recessionary time between highs during bear markets, 17 months. So we took a little bit longer. So I think we've kind of earned the right uh, to get more gains from here. And that's certainly what history shows you. Um, I put this together to show you, actually with help from Adam Turnquist, where do stocks go after the S&P hits a new high when it's been more than a year since the last high? Uh, And you've got some pretty good numbers here. You know, not only is the average gain 12%, median over 13% for the subsequent year. But you've been up every time except one. So I didn't count these. What is it, 12 out of 13? Something like that. Uh very, very high uh percentage. So, you know, this probably plays out again. Uh, so after you hit new highs, you might have clients out there, or you might be um an individual investor doing your own thing, and you must might be thinking, um, you know, maybe this market's gone too far, right? Maybe hitting this high is a reason to sell. Well, the data does not suggest that is the case. We're still, we're not even done with year two of the bull market. Year twos of bull markets have pretty much always been up. Uh, So the um, history tells you we can probably go higher from here. What do you think, Quincy?
2: Well,
1: no, absolutely. I mean, even without this search, even without the the new highs, um, the statistics indicate that we would have added maybe five or 6% to the end of the year given the strength of last year and seven weeks there's also data regarding that seven straight weeks of the market um, highs highs not new highs but highs and then you have the election year uh, perspective so why why not and then how about how about this this is probably the, the one that everybody uses as January goes so goes the, the uh, go, goes the year. And everyone was so depressed at the beginning of January as this market was overbought, then oversold, oversold, and now suddenly we have a January to applaud. And again, as January goes, so goes the year. That, that statistic I think is pretty much intact.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it looked like you know the January barometer was gonna fail us. It still could, <laughs> but boy, this has been a really strong comeback. <laughs> Uh, after a, um, oh. a after a week week start to the year, I know these things don't always hold, but boy, this you know this this rally's been been nice. so we'll again, we'll celebrate it. we're going to keep it we're going keep it upbeat when we talk about new highs. I guess this isn't as upbeat. Uh, this is downright depressing um the um you know, the human cost of what's going on in the Middle East uh, on top of the economic cost with all of the shipping disruptions with attacks from the Houthi rebels that are ongoing and then the U.S. and ally responses. Um, th- th- this is a, a mess. So so Jeff Roach um, wrote the Weekly Market Commentary this week with some help from Lawrence Gillum, who uh, put in some uh, commentary about the Fed. Of course, Jeff, our chief economist uh, in LPR research, Lawrence Gillum, our chief fixed income strategist. And um, I think there's really, um, there's maybe just a couple of key takeaways here. First is um, this will impact goods inflation a little bit. But right now, goods are in deflation. This is really not the inflation problem. You can see it here on this chart. The durable goods um, CPI is is down, right? The orange line, um, even non-durable goods, down, barely, but down. So they are in essentially deflation. It's the services. We've talked about this, I know, on recent... Uh, podcasts and written about this, how the problem is services, inflation, a lot of that's housing. We still need to get that down. So this doesn't really change, you know, the, the um, a little bit higher shipping costs, shipping delays. We don't think it's enough to really change uh, this storyline. And you're probably going to, a- again, end up with the fed uh, cutting uh, maybe around four times this year, not delaying those cuts because of um. Middle East shipping, you know, disruptions. I guess that's that. That's the point I'll make there. So this is uh an index we we'll, we we'll want to follow. It is the New York Fed Supply Chain Pressure Index. This is what we watched during COVID. Right when you had the lockdowns, you had uh, the semiconductor supply chain virtually shut down. Uh, the supply chain, um, you know, all gummed up all over the world for a lot of reasons, all tying back to COVID. So it's you know, this index surged. What is it like mid-teens on this index? It correlates to the PPI, which is wholesale inflation, which makes sense. So the um uh the um the orange line, the PPI was up at 18, 19% at one point, um, year over year. Anyway, come way down, as we know, those those issues were largely resolved. But now you've seen this little bit of an uptick uh recently. That... We could see more of that here in the very short term, but it's probably not going to continue for very long. So, you know, I'm, I'm always scared to use the word transitory now. The Fed made that a bad word, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, we we yeah. certainly hope with ships can go around. I know it takes longer, higher cost, but ships can go around, things can be transported in different ways. Companies are resourceful in terms of how they get their goods uh, where they need to go, and frankly, and Quincy, I'll, I'll ask your opinion on this. I mean, certainly. The US, the UK, and others uh are are committed to um, you know, let's just say reopening shipping channels with you know whatever they have to do.
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. But I do want to put something out. And this is again vis-a-vis the PPI producer price index, which has been coming down uh remarkably. And that is that we had the Empire Fed Survey, which is the manufacturing survey for New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. It's not one of the leaders in the manufacturing reports that we get, but the uh, Philadelphia Fed Survey, which really is viewed as a a reflection of the manufacturing heartland. Uh, I have to say, I went back and I looked at the prices paid components. They're up, Jeff. They're up in both of them. Uh, and obviously it was not reflected in the, the producer price index. So, you know, there are those who watch that and already they're, you know, doe how do you spell stagflation? It, it is curious that we're seeing the prices climbing in those reports. We're obviously going to get reports for the rest of the country, but the one that obviously that we follow the most when they come out, it's always uh, the New York one first. We tend to just, we don't push that aside, but it's not not as much of a bellwether as is the Philadelphia Fed survey. So we're going to have to see whether across the country, we are seeing that uh, the price is climbing higher. Uh, Also with oil, um, that's the one we watched. That one has been all coming down, uh, and that has been helpful. We don't, there are many reasons, but we are on both sides of this argument, Jeff, aren't we, um, that if oil prices climb higher, that adds to the inflation story. And today, I think did you just see oil um, clock in at, what was it, 77, uh, on West Texas Intermediate we haven't seen that in some time.
0: Yeah, we've expected oil to bounce a little bit on what's going on in the Middle East. Uh, it has not much uh, to date, so we'll certainly keep watching that. So yeah, there's there's potential for a little bit of upward pressure on goods inflation, um, and that could cause the Fed to maybe slow down and you know would cause me to say, well, maybe three hikes or, or three cuts are more likely than four. Uh, so mm-hmm. thanks for that, uh, Quincy. Let's move on to earnings. Um, this is a more I mean it's more pleasant topic for sure than um attacks on uh you know shippers in the Red Sea but um it's not as glorious as the all-time highs uh certainly on the S p 500. that is earnings season and the start has been messy uh here's our earnings season dashboard, um, which we started up uh, this week for the fourth quarter earnings season it's it's mixed, right so revenue is pretty normal up three percent. Tracking to that, that's not a bad number at all. 60% of companies beating revenue. That's pretty good at this stage. That's pretty typical. So nothing to uh, to be worried about. The earnings picture, though, maybe it's too strong to say it's something to worry about, but it is messy. Two-thirds of companies have beaten bottom-line estimates to date. It's only about 50 companies, and it's pretty much all financials. And why financials have been messy? The banks had to pay special assessments to replenish the FDIC deposit insurance fund after the bank failures of last March. So if you back those out, these numbers would look a lot better. So um, you really have to, as I like to say, peel back the onion. Um, Right now, if you include all those charges, which of course are not gonna be recurring, uh, you end up you know, not with a, uh, I'm sorry, if you include the charges, you're down 1% on S&P 500 earnings. If you take them out, you're up more like 1%. Right? It's that big of an impact on S&P earnings. As we broaden out and we get companies from other sectors, which we're going to start to do here uh, very soon, especially next week when we get the big tech, <laughs> we're going to get a much better picture of how strong the earnings uh, will be for Q4. Uh, four, but we we do think it's still possible, excluding all those charges, to hit something like five percent. It's not going to be easy. It is after this week start, but we think five percent is still doable. Um, you know, big drivers of that. I mean, tech is going to be a huge driver because it's the biggest chunk, right? You see here um, in my bullets on the left, biggest Q4 earnings contributors: communication services and tech. And why is communication services a big contributor? Because it has Meta and Alphabet and Netflix and com- high growth um, digital media companies like that. So that's really where the earnings growth is coming from. We talked about that last week. The super six is growing earnings at like 50%, while the rest of the market is seeing earnings declines of six, seven percent. right? And that's why those a lot of these gains for the big, big cap techs are justified. So that's really where we're going to be focused, not so much on the messy numbers from the banks, Uh, We're really going to be watching um, tech. So here's the ramp. Um, So despite the fact that we've had this messy start, 2024 estimates based on consensus have only come down 0.4%. That is not much. The average drop is a couple percent anyway. So we aren't seeing outsized reductions in estimates as a result of what we've heard from the banks. And you see here this ramp of earnings growth is still Uh, reflected in those uh, estimates. So maybe this is too aggressive. Uh, Strategists like ourselves think $233 in S&P 500 profits, which is only about five or 6% earnings growth. LPR research thinks 235, which is more like seven to 8% uh, S&P 500 earnings growth. These consensus expectations reflect bottom up. So you take individual analyst estimates of individual companies, and aggregate them all up, so they don't have as broad of a view of what's going on in the world. I used to do that. I don't mean that in a negative way, (laughs) but when you just cover one industry uh, or one sector, sometimes you don't have as good of a a handle on the big picture, Uh, and those estimates almost always tend to be too high. So don't expect 22% earnings growth in Q4 24. That's just probably too aggressive. But the point is, that ramp is in place we still think we get that ramp uh and can get you know mid to high single digit earnings growth in uh 2024 if you you know don't have these big bank charges again which we don't think you will so any thoughts on on earnings quincy
1: well just uh, you know as we keep pointing to tech and especially given that the S&P 500 Forward earnings over 19 percent now. What is it? 19.4 uh, forward earnings. It's rich, and it, 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 it's all predicated on big tech. Let's face it; um, they've got they've got a high a high um, bar when they come out with their earnings. There's no doubt about it. And what we're seeing though is that the upward revisions, the most recent upward revisions, are coming from tech. And that and that's good news. That's very good news because you know if they are the if they are the core of this um surge in the market and the high in the market, uh, what you want to see is that there the revisions coming from, from tech. That, that's, that's what's important. So we'll see how that, that holds on the guidance. And so the other thing I want to mention regarding tech, because it is so important, and as you call them, the the six now, um not to mention te- tesla's um. Guidance, whatever he can do, but what we're looking for is the monetization, and we're getting signs of it of the innovation that that has been very costly and timely. Uh, you know, it, it takes quite a while for AI to to be, so to speak become a reality, and that's what we're starting to see. And we saw it with uh, Nvidia, we saw it with Microsoft, and you can and and Apple and we can see what uh, Meta has in in mind, Uh, that's very important for the market because if they don't do that now, I think the market is not gonna be as helpful in supporting them uh, going forward. So again, that's the monetization of all of the uh, research and development and innovation that's been going on. So this is gonna be important for the earnings season.
0: Yeah, good good point. AI is is clearly a long-term trend, but people might be getting a little bit too excited about the impact on Q4 earnings from AI. Mm-hmm. We'll have to see. Um, but you've seen big moves in uh NVIDIA, big moves in AMD and, and, and some others. Microsoft, you mentioned. Uh so we'll see. Yeah, high bar. Um these companies got a beat and surprise against very high expectations. It it is uh it's not gonna be easy. But the point still holds that this the earnings growth out of that group is going to be very, very strong. And that's going to carry us, uh, we think, to a, a pretty good overall earnings growth number in Q4 uh, for S&P 500 profits. And uh, we think it's going to be good enough to still carry tech and the related areas yeah. uh, to strong gains uh, in, in, in 2024. So um, let's go to the week ahead. Quincy, it's a huge week. Um, I mean, when I was putting this together, I took—I forgot about the ECB and the Bank of Japan. Um, and actually, initially, I even forgot about GDP because <laughs> it's it's backward looking, and I was just really honing in on that core PCE
1: yeah. deflator yeah.
0: number, right? Which is monthly GDP is backward looking uh, and more stale data, and we kind of know it's not much of a driver of, or market moving typically, and all of that. So, um, but there's a lot of uh, earnings too this week, so it, there's a lot going on. Um, actually, the leading indicators beat expectations, but they were down again um, on uh, Monday morning. Uh, what do you think is has the potential to move markets this week from this economic calendar? What What are you watching most closely, Quincy?
1: Well, needless to say, the PCE is, is is the most important because it's that important for the Fed. And it, you know, we know we know what has driven markets. Uh, it, you know, moving moving the needle for markets and getting the markets ready for a surge. It has been inflation coming down. And so we'll see where core inflation hits super core for the PCE. Uh, that's going to be extremely important. And Mark, I think that's probably the most important, important um, indicator uh, for, how, you know, when the Fed is going to cut rates. I mean, it could surprise to the point that suddenly we get, uh, you know, March 20th moves higher. Uh, most likely not, but but it's, it is that important. And remember why it's not so important, because this surge in the market, not the most recent one, has been predicated on treasuries, um, the auctions not having as much supply. That was one thing on November 1st. And the other was Fed pivot, belief in a pivot, and also the expectations for rate cuts. So that's very important for the market. And I think that the PC is going to be kind of ripped apart, if you will, under the hood and so on to see how quickly inflation is coming down.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That that was the one that I was going to star, certainly out of all of these, although it's yeah. always interesting when you get the first read on GDP. But I think the market's been expecting something around 2% GDP for Q4 for a while now.
1: Uh, uh, 24 so I- it's yeah, so
0: about 2.3, yeah, 2.4. So anything in that neighborhood is is fine. Yeah. Um yeah. maybe, maybe we get a little bit of an upside uh, surprise because yeah. there's still a lot of skeptics, I guess. Uh the um the BOJ and ECB meetings, central bank meetings in Japan and, and Europe are probably not going to give us anything market moving. I mean, you know, it's possible, but very unlikely. Uh Bank of Japan's probably not going to do anything meaningful because they had an earthquake over there. And that's probably gonna um, you know, cause them to back off of any thought of tightening, you know, raising their range for their interest rate targets or, or or raising rates uh or anything like that. So um probably get nothing out of them. ECB probably get nothing out of them, right? I mean, they're gonna align with the Fed. Lagarde, as you mentioned, Quincy, you know, guided to the summer. That's probably what we get out of the Fed and the ECB, or late spring. So um, probably going to just repeat the same messages uh, that they've been repeating, similar to what the Fed's probably going to start doing at their next meeting, which I think is next week. Uh, I know they're in the quiet period now, and you're probably going to get the same kind of message out of the Fed, that um, they're just going to wait and watch the data, and for now, do nothing. So yeah. anything anything else uh, this week that you think is worth noting anything on the earnings front? I know we get uh, we get Procter and Gamble, we get Tesla. I think we get Netflix this week, so we start to broaden out a little bit. What what are you watching um, on the earnings calendar, Quincy, or or anything else that we, we may have missed that you want to highlight?
1: Well, I'm, I'm watching Tesla very closely because you know obviously they're they remind me of Apple sometimes in in, in so many different indexes, right, or sectors. Uh, so that's that's why I'm watching, as you mentioned, consumer discretionary, and what the plans are uh, for selling those cars, especially as EV has slowed in the U.S. Um, I just want to hear what he has to say. I mean, cutting the cutting the prices is seemingly not enough for the market. So we'll see what his guidance is.
0: Yeah, and I, I think maybe one theme out of this earnings season will be that anything that's really China exposed is is going to have a little more trouble than maybe had been previously thought. Um, we'll have to see, you know, since it's hard to trust the data out of China, uh, it's really interesting to watch companies, right, and listen to CEOs and, and CFOs uh, talk about the environment over there. Certainly with Tim Cook and Apple, we'll be doing that. Uh, so we'll we'll get more insight into China over the next you know 5 6 weeks of of reporting season um but that that could be uh, could be a theme that that emerges that you know china's slowing uh certainly tesla's selling cars over there uh and uh you know a lot of these sort of old guard companies that have you know starbucks has been around and, and been in china like for Donald. a very long time as an yeah. example yum brands has always said right companies like this um big big global brands that, that have been in China for a long time. It'll be interesting to hear what, what those
1: yeah, yeah. I have yeah. to say. But
0: that's- I I I continue to think though that uh profit margin expectations are just too low. So that's another thing I'll be watching. When I hear from companies this week, see the numbers, you know, aggregate them all up. Uh it it just seems like a 1% haircut to margins quarter over quarter is too big. And that's what's reflected in consensus expectations. Even if you take out the bank charges, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So pretty, yeah. it's pretty widespread um, um, pessimism. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that companies will generally be able to clear uh, those those low bars. So um, with that, uh, we'll go ahead and wrap up. Uh, so uh, thanks so much, Quincy, for for joining Thank this you. week. Really, a fun one to do celebrating the, um, the oh. new highs. Cheers. Yeah. S P five hundred after such a long wait. So happy new high day. Or new high day plus one, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, which yeah. is which is really cool. So don't yet yeah, again, the history shows uh that um stocks don't stop when they get to the to new highs if it's been a while. Uh yeah. probably more gains ahead. Obviously, history doesn't always repeat, but um, we think there's a good chance it it does. So um we in LPR researchers continue to recommend folks stay fully invested uh where appropriate. So um, thanks for joining, Uh, as always, we'll be back with you next week with another edition of
2: LPL Market Signals. Take care, everybody. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor, these products